our scripture today. We actually have two scriptures. One comes to us from the book of Romans, and the other one comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll read Romans first, if you want to read along with me. That comes to us from chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And our gospel reading comes to us from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. In reverence for the gospel, will we please stand for the reading? But about the day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So when we read this gospel text, we, we recall the flood, we hear this language of being left, um, left behind or being taken up, um, and there are different scriptures for Advent 1, the first week of Advent, that is very gloomy. Um, sometimes uh, the Advent text will say there's war and rumors of war and famine, and the texts start out very, very dark, and we had kind of, um, were prepared for this, right? Because last week was Christ the King Sunday. It was the last Sunday of the year. Today is the first Sunday of the year, and as it ended in darkness, so it begins in darkness. And we may be watching the news or listening to the radio programs or, or social media or however you get your global information, and we see just how dark today is. We see um, the, the riots and the crimes against humanity in Iran. We see the people who are um, having to move uh, their whole families in South and Central America to escape from, um, again, crimes against humanity and uh, different warlords. We see uh, in different places famine and hunger, we see in different places the use of um, basically slave labor in manufacturing. 
all over the world, and let's not forget Ukraine and the war there that is happening, all over the world we see darkness, and we see darkness in our own neighborhood and in, in our own hearts, darkness. And when we turn on the TV or the radio or, or whatever it is, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes in my heart, how can we possibly celebrate and be holly and jolly and excited and filled with hope and joy and peace when the world is so dark and dreary? Well, I'm glad that um, Tish asked us to read and respond to the antiphons because it helps us realize that it is because the world is dark and gloomy and lost and in prison and impressed and hungry that we call upon Jesus to come. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Come, we, we are sitting in darkness. Come, O oh Savior, come and rescue us, free us. Join us in, in bringing justice to the world. It is because the world is dark that we participate in lighting candles week after week and the wreath will get brighter and brighter. And we participate and remember that we are never alone and that Christ is coming and that God has never left us. We proclaim and protest against the dark by lighting these candles, by celebrating and preparing in this way. And we proclaim that God is with us. And that's, that's the name of the Christ child, right? Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us, even in the darkness, even uh, in famine and hunger and oppression and slavery and depression and divorce and illness and aging Christ is indeed with us and we can do two things we can focus too much on the darkness and the doom and the gloom and we will most definitely miss Christ coming or we can prepare for it wait for Christ coming expectantly. Now, there is uh, quite a bit of mystery in the second coming of Christ. Advent, it does two things and hold uh, Christ's uh, arrival intention. Advent means coming. And so we hold intention the, the coming of baby Jesus for Christmas. And we hold in our other hand the coming of Jesus as in the second coming, to make all things right because God uh, sees how broken we are and God will come in the second coming through Christ and will redeem all things unto himself. And so we focus on baby Jesus and prepare our hearts for Christmas, but we also focus on Christ's second coming, which could be any day now, and await it. Now, when we read these texts, I don't know about you, but the way I grew up and the images that I saw growing up, you read uh, rumors of war and famine and uh, two at the you know, grindstone and one will be taken or two in the field and one will be taken. Um, and it can be fear inducing. And I can tell you where that fear comes from. 
Um, in the 19th century, there was a, a movement among the Plymouth Brethren um, called Dispensationalism or Darbyism. And this is kind of the root or the beginnings of the Left Behind series, which is uh, stoked with, with fear that two of you will be in the car and then one will be taken up and away. I remember um, on Decker Boulevard and Two Notch Road, if any of you are familiar with the Columbia area, but at that intersection, I'm in the back seat of my mom's blue 1982 Volvo, and I got, I remember, it's burned into my memory, I am a child, and there is somebody passing out posters at the intersection of Decker Boulevard and Two Notch Road in Columbia, and they come up to my mom's blue Volvo and hand her a poster, and she throws it in the back, and I grab it, and the top of the picture has clouds and angels and light and peaceful faces, and in the bottom of the poster, it's terrifying and red and dark and black, and people are miserable, and in between, people are floating up into the air. Have you seen images like this before? This image that people are taken up into heaven or taken away, and this was popularized by the Left Behind series, the movies, and the books. But if we really attend to the word of God, nobody is being taken anywhere. The, the word taken here, we can think not of somebody being ripped away or taken away, but taken as in taken aback, taken by. If you see something beautiful, you're taken by it. It's also uh, rooted in the language of um, when you separate the wheat from the chaff and the wind takes the chaff away. And the word taken um, is rooted in a similar language of being taken in marriage. And so it's a very complex understanding of what being taken is in this uh, scripture from Matthew. But we know that the action isn't upon us, it is Jesus who takes us, or we are taken by Jesus. And there are two things that we can do. We know Jesus is coming, the second coming, we do know that. I feel that it will not be a violent taken up, as uh, Darbyism says, but it will be something other and mysterious and joyful. It is joyful that Jesus will come and make things right. There's no need to be afraid of that. But we do not know the day or the hour, nor does the Son of Man know the day or the hour. So what can we do? What the scriptures in Roman and Matthew are saying is stay awake, stay awake, be on the lookout. But another way that I can resonate with is don't procrastinate. And if uh, my procrastinators out here couple of us? Okay, all right. It, I hear a couple of giggles. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, my procrastinators out there um, letting me know where my people are. I remember uh, at USC, there was a paper that I had to write, and it was like 2 or 3 a.m. of the day that the paper was due. Y'all have never done that before, I'm sure. 
And I remember writing in and, and just really pouring the, the words right out of my fingers from the, into the computer. I'm like, this is really good at two in the morning on my like fourth cup of coffee. And I um, printed it off and a few hours later gave it to the professor, then went home and slept because I had worked all morning on that paper. And we're just like, I'm surely going to get an A on this. And the paper came back and it was like a C minus. And in big red letters, my professor's out there. Um, I'm a better person because of people like you, but in big red letters, it said, next time, don't procrastinate, proofread. It's like, how did he know? <laughs> and so I reread it. I was like, oh, Lord. There is some kind of filter when you procrastinate that you don't realize what you are missing out on, and I certainly did not proofread. And in the moment at 2.30 in the morning, I thought it was good work, but several days later, I had realized my error errors in procrastinating. And the thing about procrastinating is you, there's a due date, right? I knew when that paper was due, and I waited and waited and waited, and then I did the paper at the last moment. We know the due date. And not that procrastination is good, I'm just recognizing that it is a behavior of ours. But when it comes to Christ's second coming, there is no way that we can procrastinate because we do not know the due date. We do not know the day that he is coming. So procrastination can't be an option for us. We can't just wait for the last hour. We have to constantly be uh, awake, as the scripture says. We have to be aware and ready and waiting. If it is a joyful occasion, like the bridegroom coming, um, if it's a joyful occasion, like the baby uh, expectant arrival, we should be ready and waiting and excited about it. I was thinking of what, what's kind of the opposite of procrastination. It's, it's perhaps preparation. There's a movie that um, my husband and I enjoy uh, watching from time to time, an old black and white movie called Seven Samurai. And I won't get into the details of the movie, but there are the, the, these samurai that are going to protect this village. And one of the samurai, you know, he's um, very stoic, and he's shuffling around in the dirt, shuffling. And suddenly he gets into a fighting stance and pulls out his sword, dead serious, fast as lightning. And then he puts his sword back and he kicks around in the dust. And it is very bizarre. What on earth is he doing? Well, apparently in martial arts, it's kind of like waiting at the bus stop. You don't know when you're going to be attacked. So you, he was pretending that he was just minding his business and then he's ready for an attack. He's ready. So he was constantly practicing, sharpening his sword and his mind and being ready for the, for, for the event. And later on in the movie, he is sleeping against the tree completely... Um, his spine is straight, but he's sitting on the ground and he's asleep and he hears a noise. And again, fast as lightning, he's on his feet with his samurai sword unsheathed. Now, I, I had toyed with the idea of even bringing this example because of the violence inherent in that movie and in that example, but it, it speaks to how quickly um, you are able to act if you are prepared. All of his training prepared him for the day of battle. Let me give you another example of preparation and expectancy that is less violence. What if we did not know when Christmas would be? What if it didn't live on a calendar as a red date, December 25th? 
that we could count down to using in our advent calendar? What if it didn't live on the calendar, but we had to um, know and wait that Christmas was coming by the first snow of the season? Can you imagine that kind of expectancy? Less of a countdown or a deadline to buy gifts, but an expectation. You would open the weather app or listen to the news and, and kind of interpret the, the, the data. Is it going to snow today? Maybe not. Yesterday was like 65 degrees in Columbia. <laughs> Probably not yesterday that Christ would come or Christmas would come. But you can feel the excitement when the weatherman says it might snow, 20% chance of snow in three days. And the kids start praying real hard that it's gonna snow, right? Praying real hard it's gonna snow and, and uh, classes will be canceled. And then closer and closer, all the, the um, apparently some people put ice in their toilets. This is a new thing to me. Do y'all hear about that? You put ice in the toilet to bring the snow. Some people wear their pajamas out inside out. Is this something that like we don't do in the upstate perhaps? I'm learning. Okay. Well, there are some superstitions and, and rituals that some children do to bring the snow, but it's this excited expectation that any day now, any day now the snow is going to come. What if we had that same excited expectancy of the second coming of Jesus? Any day now, any day, looking out the window, Checking the weatherman any day. Is it going to be today? Maybe not tomorrow. I'll be ready. That's the kind of expectancy we should have as we walk into Advent, as we walk towards Christmas, and as we expect the second coming, which could be any time now. So how do we prepare? How do we hone our um, discipleship and our muscles and our being to prepare for the second coming? Number one will be in some extraordinary and unexpected places where Jesus will suddenly appear. This is God's MO. This is the way God does things, turning things upside down and coming in unexpected ways. Not just the second coming, but any time when we are yearning for, I need some Jesus. I, I am scared or I am lonely or I don't know if I'll make it through this next journey. I need some Jesus right now. We're not even talking on a global level. We're talking about right now. I need some Jesus. Where can you find him? You will be in ordinary but unexpected places. Ordinary like a baby in a manger unexpected that a king would be born in a stable. Jesus shows up as a executed, convicted, political criminal, an ordinary thing in Roman days, but extraordinary that God in the flesh would give himself up over into the hands of men. Jesus shows up regularly and we'll have the opportunity to find Jesus next week on Communion Sunday. But in an ordinary thing like bread, bread that we get from the grocery store or Panera, ordinary, but unexpected. When something happens and you come and it's broken for you and you hold this little piece of bread from the grocery store, but there's this mysterious real presence that somehow Jesus is here right now with me 
in the breaking of the bread and in the taking of the juice. Even uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist uh, movement, found Jesus in an unexpected place at a Bible study. Just an ordinary day before this Anglican preacher went to a Bible study. And somehow he left and his heart was strangely warmed in an unexpected way, but through ordinary means. As we go through Advent, we can participate in the ordinary as um, decorating, as taking communion, coming to worship or to Bible study, but you gotta be on your guard because Jesus might just show up and warm your heart in some strange, strange, mysterious ways. God comes in hidden and unexpected ways. We gotta, we got to be awake. Another way that we can prepare for the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, but also the, the very real and present coming of Jesus. I definitely stole this from Pastor Brian from his uh, sermon uh, at chapel. Thank you, Brian, sorry. But he said there are two ways to look at it. You know the saying, I'll believe it when I see it? I'll believe it when I see it. If we are waiting for the second coming of Jesus or if we're waiting for a real presence of Jesus and we're waiting to believe it after we experience it, we're gonna miss it. But what if we flip that on its head even and say, I'll see it when I believe it. When you come to the communion table expecting to meet Jesus in the bread and the wine, you are more likely going to meet Jesus in the bread and the wine. If you come to worship expecting to see Jesus in the real presence of this community, you are more likely going to experience the real presence. So through Advent, keep in mind, I'll see it when I believe it. Tune your hearts to see and perceive the real presence of God because we expect him, we hope for him, we are looking for the horizon for our salvation is very near. Thanks be to God for that in dark days. Thanks be to God who comes and is with us in Emmanuel. Amen.